A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland and this is The Leader. Pick an airport in England, this one's Gatwick, and you'll find thousands of travellers getting back on planes to get out of the country for the first time since the pandemic restrictions were lifted. Airlines, of course, delighted to get customers back, and they're offering cheap deals for those quick enough to find them. The standard spotted flights for a fiver going to Greece on June the 6th. But Greece is on the amber list, and government advice is not to travel to countries on that list for holidays, isn't it? Well, it kind of depends on which minister you ask, and almost on which day you ask them. Our political editor Joe Murphy is here to try and clear things up. Joe, we seem to be getting some contradictory advice here. Has the government position on whether we can go to amberless countries been cleared up yet? Not if you listen to government ministers, of course. Over the last 24 hours, we've had four ministers, including the Prime Minister, all saying contradictory things. Uh, George Eustace saying you can go to amberless countries to see friends. You've had a health minister saying you can't go anywhere because it's too dangerous abroad. You had the Welsh Secretary saying, well, holidays might be essential travel to some. And you've had the Prime Minister saying, uh, don't go to amberless countries. Um, while, as Keir Starmer pointed out today, making it easier to go to amberless countries. A lot of those amberless countries, like Greece, are in the European Union, Joe. What are they saying about it? Well, into these rather turbid waters, they've thrown a very giant rock this morning. Ambassadors met to agree the details, which haven't yet been announced in detail, but the decision is there to open their doors and say that Britain is now on a safe list of EU countries so we can visit them without being quarantined if we've had a double vaccination. So that's less paperwork and no tests um, if you've had both jabs and you want to go to Spain, Greece, Italy, France. Um, The only problem being you've got to come home again and at the moment, as under the current rules, you'll have to self-isolate at home and have some expensive PCR tests if you take up their kind offer. But looking at how busy the airports are, it would certainly appear that a lot of people do have an interest in that kind offer, don't they? They certainly do, and I've been speaking to travel agents and the uh, industry associations this morning and they're saying yeah bookings are up and bookings are going up every day and they're very sure that the EU's decision which will be formally announced on Friday will trigger a bunch more bookings Uh, and uh, I'm sure that any listeners who heard Gillian Keegan the um, Minister for Skills this morning doing a media round will probably have thought, hmm, it's just a matter of time before I can book, so maybe I'll grab one of the many £5 bargains which are going at the moment. For example, she said she was hoping that the green list of countries we can go to for holidays um, will be expanded very soon. Uh, I I have to say I spoke to a senior minister um, who was quite surprised to hear that, 
who said, well, it's, it's at least another two weeks before the um, scientific advisors who, who, who will be recommending on this give their advice, and so it's way too early to tell. A similar message that it's way too early to tell came from number 10 sources I spoke to. So she was on her own there, and then, well, some would say she confused things further by saying that actually there aren't any rules, there's guidance against going to ambulist countries. So you said there's going to be this review of which countries go on to which list in two weeks' time. Will that also come with any kind of clarification about what the green, amber and red lists actually mean? Or are we just going to have to figure this out for ourselves? Well, of course, the government's pitch is that now is the time for us to be figuring things out more and more for ourselves. The problem for that is that there will always be some people who see a grey area as one they can just stride through, which is fine when cases are falling, but if this new Indian variant results in a general rise in cases, then grey areas could be a huge problem zone. Um, And as for the specific travel advice, it's another fortnight before we are due to have the review and an announcement of what the likely direction of travel is. I think if bookings continue to rise, there'll be some pressure for the government to really come out and clear things up a bit earlier than that. There's more on this at standard.co.uk. Follow the live blog for the latest advice and breaking news. Now, the Evening Standard has joined forces with Netflix to launch a storytelling festival and give a new generation the chance to find their voice. Alongside it, there's a competition with winners mentored by Netflix and Penguin, and they'll also have the opportunity to present their work at the festival. Our arts correspondent and book critic Robert Dex is here. Robert, we obviously know Netflix is a TV streamer, but it's had a long interest in books for adaptations like Bridgerton. Without the writers, there's no stories to tell, and you know they can't get the actors on the screen. Um, that that it's the source material, isn't it? I, I mean, yes, there's original scripts written, but it comes down to you need writers writing books and stories to um, to feed the beast of, that we're all consuming on TV and film, especially you know the last couple of years in lockdown. Um, so yeah, no, it, it's very exciting, and the interesting thing is with Netflix involvement, it's not just about writing. You do not have to have a script sat in your drawer sort of thing or be scribbling on the bus and people can apply through videos or anything like that so it's stories in its broadest sense i think that's important to say so what what can people do to get involved in this then what's what's kind of being offered there Rob? it's divided up into into two categories there's a, a young adults which are is 11 to 17 and then 18 above is is everyone else and they want i think under a thousand words or under a two or a two minute ish video script you know, whatever whatever you produce. Um, I, I think they've deliberately kept the parameters quite loose, as I say, because it's storytelling in its, in its widest form. They're not just looking for a traditional beginning, middle and end story. There's a good lineup of judges on this, isn't there? Some really interesting, some really quite powerful people in, in, in publishing and storytelling, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, Waterstones are involved, Penguin are involved. The wider festival has got people from like Murky Books, which was set up by Stormzy involved. And that's also another interesting, because obviously lockdown, we all know how hard it's been for the arts and the creative industries. Bizarrely, the, the sector that's probably doing the best, and I'm sure they would say they could do better, um, is publishing. People have been reading more. People, I guess, haven't been going out to the cinema as much or to restaurants or the theatre. Um, so books have actually done pretty well. So hopefully it's a sign of some kind of buoyancy and confidence in publishing as well, that they're 
happy to get involved in this and, and take it forward. Well, as, as a book reviewer, Robert, I mean, have you seen some really good books, some really good British books coming out this year during lockdown? Yeah, I mean, you have to say publishing is one of those things that has a, has a lag time. So things that were published during lockdown were probably written about two years before. Um, you know, it takes a little while to work its way through. Actually, I read a book for review just a couple of months ago, and it was fairly poignant, really, but the, it was dedicated to somebody who died during the pandemic. And it was that strange feeling that life had started to catch up with publishing as well, in that the books that were being written during lockdown will presumably start, we'll see them start to come through this year, next year. And it'll be interesting to see how writers respond to it and how they've responded to that. You know, writing is a solitary business, but it's one thing to choose that solitude. It's something to have it enforced in the entire nation by a pandemic. So um, I think the next couple of years, we'll probably see some interesting work come out of it, yeah. And it's great that there's a focus on this festival on new writers because, I mean, we all have our writers that we like, our big names that we know we're going to deliver a book that we can enjoy. But there is something quite special about reading a book by somebody you've never heard of before, isn't there, when you make a discovery? Yeah, it's it's that um, fantastic thing where you, you read it and think, oh, I've sort of thought that, not been able to express it quite as well as they have, but that's been in, in my brain too, and you realise that you're not the only one and that somebody else miles away at different gender, different age in a different country is having a similar experience to you and processing it in the same way. And it's that connection, isn't it? I mean, that that's why people read, I think. Hopefully, we're pushing open a door and there'll be lots of people waiting to go through it. To find out more, go to stories.standard.co.uk. And that's the leader. We're back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.